Welcome on in to Studio 2 on a Tuesday. I'm Cherry Gregg. And I'm Matt Gillum in for Avi Wolfman Errant. It is freezing outside, lots of slush, icy streets. So I'm sure we're going to talk about something that is top of mind for you, me, and everybody right Uh now. Ice cream. (laughs) The uh, famous Philly shop Weckerly's is reopening, and they've brought some sweet and cold treats for us to taste, which, I mean... It's not exactly seasonally appropriate, but I'm very excited. It's always a good time I'm for ice cream. I'm excited anytime we get to eat food on exactly. Studio 2. And Matt, speaking of new flavors, it looks like we'll see some changes with the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm. In just a bit, we'll speak with sports columnist Marcus Hayes about what's up with Sirianni, Hertz, and Kelsey, and... Eagles fans, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I'll just say that. That's it was, all I'll say. It was not pretty last night. No, it was not. And also, in this hour, big career changes. We're going to be talking about reinventing yourself and what it takes to make a 180 flip in your career. We really want you to join us for that one, especially did you change your job? Did it work out? Was it a good move? Or should you have stuck with what you had? Shoot us an email. It's studio2 at whyy.org. Or, of course, you can call us 888 888- Four seven seven nine four nine nine. And then you know, Matt, I absolutely love this topic. I'm all about reinventing yourself. You've done it and yourself, growing and changing and all this stuff. So I'm pretty excited. But first, Matt, as a Studio Two regular now, I get to say that to you. <laughs> yes, you know what's coming up. Our news chat, and I am happy to report for those of you who like the cold that the nearly two year snow drought in our area it is officially over. Our region, if you noticed, little, got little, little blanket. over an inch of snow in most places. Yeah, Philadelphia International Airport reported one and a half inches of snow. Only about another 0.2 inches is expected to fall in Philadelphia. It, that snow will continue into the early afternoon, but some places will get that seasonal favorite, which is that wintry mix. Oh, you know? wintry mix. Don't you just love it? Hopefully, y'all have your boots out and the hats and gloves. It, it was an occasion. It was. It was. It was really nice. I was walking home yesterday. It was quiet in the city. People were playing in the snow. I saw like a father and his two kids at a street corner, and they were like playing playing snowballs and stuff. And just like, oh, this is this is really nice. And I thought, you know, three weeks ago, if this was before Christmas, it would have been just winter wonderland magic fantasy. Yeah. And now it's just like. Hmm, it's nice. It's snow. And today, as as we were talking a little bit earlier, we look at the snow and it's gray and murky Ooh, and yucky and they're on the in yeah. the gutters and you're like, Okay, this is this is nice, but it can go now. Yeah, and the Lehigh Valley and the Poconos, they can pick up another one to three inches. The roads are a little icy coming in today. I drove in from Delaware. It was a little it was a little hectic. Yeah. Big people hadn't cleaned out their cars, so big chunks of ice and snow sliding off of people's rooftops of their cars. But we're staying cold. Yeah, we're going to get a, a, another blast of Arctic air. It's going to settle in tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Another bout of snow is expected at the end of the week. Thursday, we could see light snow showers, no accumulation. But Friday, uncertain, but we could get more snow. All right. Well, you know, it's cold here, but it was even colder in Iowa. And that's where a lot of attention yeah, was yesterday. Oh yeah, it was icy over there. With the, yeah. the wind chill, something like minus 20 at times there. Oof. Yeah, no thank you. But, Glad I wasn't there. Woo. But caucus goers, they still got out there. They endured life-threatening cold, mm-hmm. awful driving conditions. Uh, and they made it out. And the Iowa Republican caucuses went ahead. It had the lowest turnout since 2000. But we now have some actual results when mm-hmm. it comes to a campaign and election 2024. Donald Trump won by a landslide. Yeah. No real surprise there. But for Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis came in second, barely ahead of Nikki Haley. 
uh, but he lost to Trump by 30 points. So, yeah, yeah I mean, Trump had more than 50 percent of the vote. Um, what was interesting to me is that the Associated Press was able to call that race at 8.31 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.31 Iowa Time. It was just a half hour after voting began, and they cited the wide margin by Donald Trump as the reason why they called it so early. But that decision angered voters there. The Des Moines Register reported about it. People were still voting. They were right. getting the pitches about the candidates and they heard during their pitch session that the winner <laughs> was being called as Donald Trump. And that made people pissed off. But that is that has always been I'm, I come from the West Coast. That has always been an election night issue is the polls are yes. open until eight o'clock in California. It's 11 p.m. in the east. Results are trickling in by but that their, point. Their caucuses start at seven. Yeah. And at seven thirty one their time, 831 our time, they're calling the race. And some GOP members said, why rush the process? It's grassroots. It's transparent. DeSantis's spokesperson said the media is in the tank for Trump. And this is the most egregious example yet. That's their quote. And so it makes people question the, you know, the media, public trust about us. We're inserting ourselves into democracy. That's the question. And again and again, the uh, the the infighting amongst the Republican Party only on display as they as they go after each other. But we are seeing the field winnow. More people dropping out. We had uh, yes, Vivek Ramaswamy. He is true. suspending his campaign. Also, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson announced he is ending his bid for the Republican nomination. So really now it's the big three left. We got Trump. We've got uh, Nikki Haley and we've got Ron DeSantis. I know. And it's the big one. And then the other yeah, exactly. two are fighting. The battle for second. The battle for second. One of the other things that happened on this Monday, which happened to be a federal holiday, uh, the, our area celebrated the King holiday. President Biden came, yeah, came to town for he it. He was in Philadelphia uh, celebrated. And WHYY had our own little event. Uh, we partnered with New Corps to host Conversations of King, Matt, Hidden Faces Behind the Work. I got to moderate a panel discussion. It was focused. Very exciting. Yeah, it was really cool. With the mayor. Yeah, the mayor was there. They focused on the contributions of women to the civil rights movement. Women like Ella Baker, who trained the likes of John Lewis. Women like um, Amelia Boynton Robinson, who actually her home was the headquarters for the civil rights movement during the oh, wow. during the bus boycott in Montgomery, Alabama. And during the event, Mayor Sherelle Parker spoke about how Dr. King, who was a drum major, an out front person, she spoke about how um, some of the most powerful people in the civil rights movement were actually behind the scenes. The chief connectors are not always the ones out in front leading the parade, as Dr. King describes in his speech, but they are the nucleus, they are the center, they, they are the glue that are doing actually all of the hard work. And Matt, one quick tidbit, and I know you're new to Philly, I want to see if you know this, but a little known Philadelphia native and Temple grad was actually the inspiration for the I Have a Dream speech. Her name is Prathia Hall. She was part of the, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and she did a public prayer in 1962 where she kept saying, I have a dream. Mm-hmm. Dr. King loved it so much, asked her if he could use it, and a year later for the March on Washington, used I have a dream. And one of the most fa- famous speeches ever inspired by a woman. And and inspired and born in Philly. I know. Wow. I know. It's so it's so amazing. But she gave the speech in Georgia, but she's from Philly and a Temple grad. So there you go. Well, here we go. There There's something nice, interesting and inspiring 
And with that, I am going to seamlessly pivot to something that was not nice, not inspiring, and incredibly depressing. Uh, yeah. The Philadelphia Go Eagles season. Ooh, boom. Ooh. It sputtered out in spectacular fashion. Last night in Florida, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they steamrolled the Birds' final score 32-9. to It was the latest in a string of defeats for the Eagles. Here we've got head coach Nick Sirianni after the game. We, we couldn't get out the rut we're in, and that's, and that's all of us. We'll have to look ourselves in the mirror and, and accept that and, uh, you know, trips, find, find answers, find solutions. There's going to be a lot of soul-searching yeah, in that mirror. Sad, sad, sad. Well, here now with us is Marcus Hayes. He is a sports columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer, and he's going to help us uh, parse just what happened and how bad the collapse was. Marcus, welcome to Studio 2. Well, Matt, thanks for having me. Hello, Cherry. Hello. Well, we are thrilled to have you here. So, uh, I mean, walk us through what happened last night and then uh, big picture, the overarching collapse. Well, it's it's kind of a three-headed issue. Number one, after the Buffalo Bills game about five or six weeks ago, the defensive line got tired and Fletcher Cox got old and they couldn't stop anybody. That's really been the story of the last part of the season. The defense collapsed. To the degree they switched defensive coordinators from Sean Desai, who's in his first year, to Matt Patricia, who won Super Bowls with the New England Patriots. So that's kind of one. Two, the offense became very predictable. And when they lost to San Francisco, Nick Bosa, one of the best defensive players in, in, in the league, said, we've given everybody the template, and everybody followed it including Tampa Bay last night. And last night, what you saw was sort of – Tampa's a pretty good defensive team. They have a spectacular defensive head coach in Todd Bowles. And they blitzed Jalen Hurts. He was not able to decipher it. He was not able to make the throws he should have made. He's got a knee issue that's been lingering all year, and he dislocated his finger in a, what turned out to be a meaningless game last week in New York. And that was kind of it. You know, they, they just weren't inventive enough – sharp enough offensively their defense collapsed and the template was formed by san francisco and everybody followed it and i i actually tuned into a bit of yesterday's game to see everybody looking very dejected on the sidelines (laughs) and jalen hurts looked very dejected like he didn't use use the phrase yeah he looked very sad like he looked like a sad puppy he did he did on the sidelines and he seemed to be off ever since his injury. Was that it, or was it something else? What? How, why didn't Jay? Why wasn't he able to sort of reconnect and get into the groove that we saw early in the season? Well, this is what we see a lot with young quarterbacks. And remember, Jalen's still a very young quarterback. This is his fourth season, his third season as a starter. Teams will figure out the one or two things you don't do well, and just pound it, pound it, pound it until you adjust. The thing Jalen Hurts does worst is understand where to go with the ball when he's faced with more than four pass rushers. We call that a blitz, right? So like a blitzkrieg back from World Mm. War II. Like it's all coming at once. So he hasn't – which is not unusual. Young quarterbacks usually take a while to figure out the blitz. And, you know, the Eagles have pretty good blitz pickup. They have an elite offensive line, or at least they did until – Last night, Jason Kelsey might be retiring. Um, And he just hasn't been able to figure that out. And everybody in the league has taken advantage of that. And it's kind of a perfect storm in that the teams they've played recently love to blitz. So he got the worst medicine at the worst time. 
All right. What, well, what about what about Coach Sirianni? I mean, he he took him to the Super Bowl last year, and this year it it oh, wow, yeah wow. yeah sad trombones. That is a big reversal. Mm-hmm. So is he is he going to be shown the door promptly? I wouldn't be surprised, but in his defense, okay. like most coaches who are successful, he lost both his offensive and defensive coordinators who got head coaching jobs elsewhere. Like most head coaches who have good quarterbacks, they had to spend a lot of money on Jalen Hurts to you know, keep him in the fold, to keep him happy, which hurts some of the finances other places. So if Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, wants to rationalize, okay, this was a one-off, a bad slump, we had injuries, we had fatigue, you know, we didn't have the best roster, he can rationalize keeping Nick, Hur- uh, Nick, Nick, uh, Nick Foles, Nick Hurts, Nick Sirianni. Yes. He can rationalize that. However, last night was the worst loss by a defending Super Bowl team in uh, a defending conference champion in the playoffs in the history of the NFL. So not only is it a historic slide. This is exciting, though. We can spin that. We're number one. But you know what? Philly over everybody because we need a little bit of grit, you know, a little bit of a punch in the gut to come back. And so uh, I got to ask you this um, because we only have about a minute and a half uh, left. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been reported that Jason Kelsey is expected to announce he is retiring we're going to miss him if that is true. But how big of a blow would this be to the team? To he's see, only ever yeah. been with the Eagles, right? Yeah, he's been here so long. Yeah. And when we won the Super Bowl, he was here front and center. Lots of fun. Loved seeing him. Well, I think he's doing it to, to satiate all the uh, Swifties, all the Taylor Swift fans. Her favorite number is 13, ah. and this is his 13th season. So there's some symmetry between his brother's girlfriend, wow. Travis Kelsey's girlfriend, and <laughs> and Jason Kelsey's retire. <laughs> Actually, about... Two months ago, he told me that he was really having a hard time, like getting up for the next week and the next week and the next week. And that's when you know, as a player, you should probably hang it up if you can. And Jason's made more than $80 million. He's won a Super Bowl. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's a legend in Philadelphia. He has nothing left to prove. Fare thee well. Yeah, and what's interesting, we're talking about reinvention in the next segment, and he's going to be a prime candidate for reinvention. Absolutely. He's already got the number one podcast, sports podcast in the country. So he's a spectacular media entity. He'd be a great coach. He'd be a great GM. Uh, But I think what he's going to do for the next year or so is sort of like step back and be a great dad, which he also is. Yeah. Or perhaps he'd be a podcaster here at WHYY. We'll we find out. We would love out. to have him. And in like 15 <laughs> seconds, in your, in your mind, what's up for next next season? Um, they should be good. They should be a really good team. Dallas should be good as well. But the Eagles should be back in the playoffs despite their defensive issues and their coaching their coaching challenges. We have been talking to Marcus Hayes, a sports columnist at the Philadelphia Inquirer. Marcus, thanks so much for getting us up to speed on the crushing defeat. Well, thank you for having me. And coming up, we're going to be talking about reinventing yourself at any age. Stay with us. Yes. And we have to take a moment and shout out Philly's own Quinta Brunson, who won Best Actress in a Comedy at last night's Emmys for Abbott Elementary. She's the first black woman to win the category in more than 30 years. The last time you ask, because you're WHYY listeners and you want to know. 1981, Isabel Sanford won for the Jeffersons. All right. There you go. It's been a while. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. Stick with us.
Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. This is Studio 2. Welcome back. I'm Cherry Gregg. And I'm Matt Gillum in for Avi. Cherry, I know you made a big career change in your life from lawyer to journalist. That had to be, be pretty sizable. Yeah, I did. And law just didn't feel right for me. And I had been working so hard. I felt I could use that talent for something else. So I took the leap. I retooled and pursued my lifelong dream of becoming a broadcast journalist. And I think about it. I just celebrated my 13th anniversary on air just a few days ago. Congratulations! So it worked out. So and I love this topic because a lot of people change careers. On average, Americans change jobs about six times over a lifetime. And while it might not be a complete career shift, you still have to rethink your skills, your interests, passions and your priorities. So today, we're going to talk about reinvention in career, as well as in other facets of our lives. And here to help us do that is Pamela Mitchell, a career coach, author, and CEO of the Reinvention Institute. Pamela, welcome to Studio Two. Thank you so much for having me, Cherry and Matt. I'm so excited. We are thrilled to have you. And if you out there are listening and thinking about a big career change or you're trying something entirely new, perhaps, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you've done it and you have some advice as well. Well, let us know. Call us, 888-477-9499, or send us an email, studio2 at org. And Pamela, I'm so excited to have you here. Um, I wanted to start the conversation by sort of laying the foundation and explaining what reinvention is, because I want to make it clear, a lot of times it's more than just getting a new job. It's It's something bigger, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Cherry, that is a great place to begin because, you know, I think there's a lot of confusion about what reinvention truly is. So if you are climbing the ladder in your existing career, that is career mobility. Reinvention means taking your skills and talents and utilizing them in a new way. Now, that can actually happen within your firm as well as even within your existing role. But there is this idea of I've got a a bank and a tool kit here and I need to apply them in a new way aligned with new passions and interests. So that's kind of what I would call reinvention. All right. So we've we've laid out what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the signs? What, what, What is the feeling? How do you know that it might be time to? Is it just a sense a personal sense of being stuck, a personal sense of fatigue with your yourself, your work, or, or what, what launches one into a, a reinventing phase? You know, Matt, I'd say the biggest thing is the idea of fit. So you might actually be really good at what you do. And, you know, there's a difference between fatigue, burnout, and this feeling of it's time to do something different. And I think Cherry really touched on that when she was talking about this idea of law to journalism, where it's this idea of I have this dream or there's something inside me. And even though I'm doing what I'm doing and I might be great at it, it just doesn't quite fit for me either now, it never fit, or it might not fit given the circumstances of my life in this moment. I've changed and now it's time for something else to change in my world. 
Yeah. And besides um, you changing, because a lot of times people have dreams or they uh, or, or maybe your job, the industry is shifting. Right. It's changing mm-hmm. for from what it once was, because some people are forced into this idea of reinvention. Yes. Yeah. You know, there are two kinds of reinvention. One is this idea of like self-generated reinvention. So self-generated is where inside you're like, this doesn't fit for me, whether it used to, but now my life has shifted and I've got to do something different. And then there is an externally generated reinvention where the industry is changing and now we just need to make a leap. Well, uh, Pamela, you have given us the perfect transition to introduce somebody new into the conversation who has actually done just that. Taking the leap. With yes. us now is Luann Kahn, an Emmy Award-winning former NBC10 anchor and now Director of Career Services at the Klein College of Media and Communication at Temple University. Thanks for being with us, Luann. Hi. So good to be with you, Jerry and Matt and Pamela, too. Yeah. Well, you what a great sh- conversation. You yeah. shifted careers in midlife, and I, I just want to know. I mean, you were very successful and good mm-hmm. at your job, but you felt you felt a stirring to 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 for change. Something had to something needed to be different. Can you talk about maybe that counterintuitive feeling, and then how you found the resolve to to walk away and begin a new chapter? Right. Well, it it was. Um... If you remember the recession, not unlike now, there was a lot of change going on. The um, TV news industry was changing, technology was changing, communication was changing. And even though I was an eight-time Emmy Award-winning investigative journalist, lots of, lots of awards and lots of accolades, um, when I got into my mid-50s, all of a sudden I felt stuck and I didn't want to change. I was being asked to adopt social media. I didn't want to. I was being asked to shoot and edit my own video. I didn't want to. And so this really started the beginning of some reinvention. Um, I had to, and I I went on a journey, I guess you could say it was a little unusual, um, but I had, I, I realized I had to change before I changed careers and then ended up in academia. Uh, another, my second career that I absolutely love. Um, so I was very fortunate to go from a career that I enjoyed so much for all those years and then um, made that move to academia, but definitely wasn't overnight. It definitely took some years, actually, yeah. to make that move. And Luann, I, I, I've known you for a long time, and I actually watched you go through this transition um, tell people because you actually challenged yourself. You actually wrote a book about this challenge called I Dare Me, but you actually challenged yourself to do something new, to be different almost every single day. Right. So this was my daughter's idea at the time uh, when I was stuck. She said, Mom, you just don't do anything new anymore. You don't take any risks anymore. You don't try new things. And so she dared me to do something new every single day for a year, which seems completely insane. I'm telling your audience right now, you don't have to do that. (laughs) It was cool when you you did it, though. I did some crazy things. You know, I ziplined across a crocodile-infested lake, and I ate a scorpion, and I walked my dog backward. But um, backward in dog the walking. process, I, yeah, it's crazy. But, you know, in the process of doing this and taking risks large and small, I rediscovered um, 
that I could do new things, that I could use my skills in different ways. I went back to school. I started teaching school, all while keeping the day job, by the way, which I highly advise, (laughs) you know, keep the day job while you're dipping your toe into other things. But I realized, oh, my gosh, you know, there are other things I love to do. And I and so that journey of doing new things allowed me to discover what those passions were and then start exploring that and making that pivot. Well, Pamela, I want to bring you into the conversation here with what we're hearing from Luann. I mean, how how important is that? The the, the dipping of the toes, mm. the trying new things, the the perhaps not taking the full leap, but definitely, you know, putting putting some 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 testers out there to see is this right for me? Well, I have to say that I was really happy to hear Luann say keep the day job because that <laughs> yeah. is one thing I think it's a big fantasy that you're going to leave your job and go off and reinvent yourself. But it's really important to have a runway and your current position is a great runway that gives you the cushion to explore, which is what Luann went on in that year long journey. So that piece is really critical so that It's a much lower level of, um, I would say, stakes when you're testing and trying, as she did for a year, and gave herself the space to kind of discover. That's what you want to do in this journey so that it ends up being a seamless transition as opposed to a hard landing. Yeah. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about reinventing yourself, your career, other facets of your life. We're speaking with Pamela Mitchell, a career coach, author, and CEO of the Invention Reinvention Institute. We're also speaking with Luann Kahn, an Emmy award-winning former NBC10 anchor and now director of career services at the Klein College of Media and Communication. We want to hear from you. Are you thinking about a big career change? Are you trying to, you know, an empty nester trying to reinvent your life? Give us a call 888-477-9499. You can also email studio2 at org. Luann, I want to ask you uh, another question because you're helping um, young people reinvent themselves. Uh, Matt mentioned that uh, you have to reinvent yourself from a student. Yeah, there, become, there's a big transition to from get your, students to, uh, to functioning adults. Yeah, to, get, to become yeah. an actual <laughs> person with a real career, yeah. like upon graduation from school. How do you help them frame and figure it out, you know, when they're trying to choose, what do I do as I create my, yeah. my adult persona? They're, my they're so much more of a blank slate, yeah. I would suppose, say, than, than, than a, a person that has years of experience in exactly. the career. Exactly. Well, you know what's really interesting, and I'd be curious to see what Pamela says about this, but what I found is, um, well, one, I have a great deal of empathy for students who are fearful of making that leap and feel like it's like going off the cliff from college to career, Um, because believe it or not, and I've spoken to so many people, adults, with a great deal of experience before they make that career shift, They have the same fears, even Mm. though you might have a whole lifetime of skills and accomplishments. uh, We when we're facing a big change, oftentimes we feel like an imposter. We can't do it. We're fearful. It's something new. We as adults don't like going into a a new situation where we're not the expert anymore. Mm. And so, um, you know, 
it's interesting. I talk about with students with, uh, about some of these same issues, their fear, and that um, we talk about how they've prepared um, what they're doing, you know, going over all their resumes, of course, and their LinkedIn and everything else and their internships and their network of people that they know. Um, but they're going through the same process, I think, adults should go through and talking to everybody you know, everyone who's working in a career or job that you might be interested in. I mean, I know I did this. I called my friends in PR, and I called my friends who were speakers, and I called my friends who were authors, and I was like, how did you do it? What did you do? You know, gathering information. And I give some of the same advice to college students. Um, you would think as adults we would have more confidence in ourselves with all that wisdom and knowledge behind us. But sometimes I think it's it's just, I, I can tell you I was terrified. Mm. I was a reporter for 40 years. I was a journalist for 40 years. And even though I felt like I was very prepared to make the change, it still felt terrifying to leave what I knew and go into something brand new. Well, it's it's so, it's very engage. It's very uh, good to know that a professional like you that has decades of experience and is a vaunted journalist, Emmy award winning, still felt afraid. So, I mean that that that's something. Then successfully but then successfully made it happen. But everybody, yeah. everybody out there considering these changes should realize that fear and and trepidation is really a part of this. Mm-hmm. So, Luann, yeah, I just, but, I, yeah, I just want to say thank but you. I, I think fear keeps us from going to that new place sometimes, mm. and I know coaches like Pamela help help you get past that. Well, Luann, thank you so much for being with us and uh, sharing your insights, your experience on sure. on reinvention and 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 landing it beautifully. <laughs> Thanks for having me. So still with us is Pamela Mitchell, career coach and author and the CEO of the Reinvention Institute. Pamela, uh, moments ago, we heard Luann say how important it is to keep that day job while you uh, test the waters. Can you give us some uh, advice or thoughts on how we sort of juggle these things with maintaining maintaining one aspect of ourselves and continuing on in what we're doing while we explore something new? Yeah. So what I would say around that is while you are keeping your day job, carve out some time for exploration. Now that could look like volunteerism. And Mm. I think we have to expand our definition of volunteerism because we traditionally think of volunteerism as going out to a nonprofit and giving to them in very obvious ways. But we can also volunteer to do new skills and talents within the context of a nonprofit or even within our current job. So we should look for a chance to apply new skills and to volunteer means that we can do that with low stakes and we don't have to make a huge time commitment around it. And that gives us an opportunity to test the waters and see how we do before we make that bigger leap. Yeah, I did. I volunteered. I joined a trade organization. Mm-hmm. I also did some um, informational interviews with people, mm-hmm. kind of like Luann talked about. But before you even get there, a lot of times people know that they're dissatisfied, right? But they don't mm-hmm. know what to do. And I wanted to ask you about this idea of changing the way you view your uh, yourself or the way you view your possible self. And I have a quick story because I read Steve Harvey's book and he talked about how he was just, he always viewed himself as just a stand-up comedian. And then one day he started thinking about it 
And he realized that his gift wasn't being a stand-up comedian. His gift was making people laugh. And when he shifted the view of himself, he could write books. He could do radio. He could host the, you know, Family Feud. He could do so many things that were not on a stage, you know, telling jokes back to back to back. How should we view ourselves? Is there a way to shift the way we view ourselves to help with the reinvention process when we're all we know is that we're dissatisfied. We may be good at something, but we have no idea on what direction to go in. You know, I love that. And I love that example of Steve Harvey because it tunes into what we were talking about with Luann earlier and that source of fear Mm. uh, that both college students and adults experience. And that is because the root of that fear is this idea of a shift in identity. We go from being who we know ourselves to be into an identity that Mm. we don't know. And that is the trigger of fear. And that's why we can experience it young or old. And that's what gives us that anxiety about stepping out because we don't know who we are anymore. Like we've hung our hat on a particular identity and we have to move into a new identity. Now, what Steve did is he expanded his identity. It didn't, wasn't around a job. It was around a talent and a skill. And that gave him the ability to express that talent and skill in multiple ways. That is the heart of reinvention. Well, speaking of reinvention, we've got an email from one of our listeners here. Kelly in the Lehigh Valley is asking about uh, about what comes after retirement. She says, I'm retiring from my job in higher ed, but I don't want to fully retire. I still want to contribute. Uh, what advice do you have for people like me who are leaving their job but still want to do something important? Love that. And also what I would say around that is to look at retiring from a job is not retiring from life. Mm. So it's all about contributing in a new way. A a fresh chapter after the working life. Exactly. Exactly. And you may still be working, but it's for a different purpose. Right. So when we're in a career, we're usually working to support a lifestyle. And that is kind of the primary driver around it. Once we've quote unquote, retired, it is no longer about providing for a particular lifestyle. It's about contributing in new ways, making an impact in new ways, or just making a difference. So what I would say is to to think about those things that you always wanted to do. If you said money is no object, I would love to do this and start there. Well, you talk about we talk you talk about maintaining a lifestyle. And I think we should uh, I don't want to douse I don't want to douse cold water on this, but I do want to say how important uh, should one be in considering finances and their well-being and the lifestyle they're in before they make a big transition? Because, I mean, you know, should you talk to a financial planner? Should you talk to to, to lawyers? How, how should one go about that if you're really serious about making the leap? Absolutely, Matt. This is, it's a real life reinvention. Mm-hmm. Careers are a mechanism to deliver a life that we love. That includes remaining a going concern, right? And so we can't just make this leap without bringing in the financial aspect of it. So yes, speak to your financial planner, but also let your financial planner know that this is a dream and ask, how can I make it happen? Not if I can make it happen. They're your partner in creating the life that you want. They should not stand as a roadblock to what it is that you They put a different timeline on it for you. They may say, ah, wait, three years or five years instead of doing it this year. And now that gives you a new 
timeline or an, an on-ramp for this reinvention. And you can use that time in different ways. Yeah, I, I know that I had to, I, it was a two-year plan because mm. I had to save and all that kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> I have to read this email from Jen who says, I left my job at a really toxic law firm very early in my career because I didn't want to get stuck there for decades. I knew I hated it. I'm, I am in a totally different career now and I'm so happy. I would make that change a hundred more times. Life's too short. I read that we spent about 80,000 hours of our lives. Some people a lot more if they work weekends and long hours. I mean, this is a lot of time and I, I we only have about a minute and a half or so, a uh, couple minutes to talk about this, but I want to like the sort of, why now? Like people usually wait and I, and I, and I always, you know, one of my fears in life was to look back on life and not have lived the thing that was in my spirit or to have regrets um, or to be stuck somewhere that I totally hated for year after year after year. Sort of what, what are some of the, you know, when you think about that, what are some of the reasons to sort of take that leap? Cause it is scary. It could cost you. And it might not work out. Yeah, but what, what, what happens of, what some to, of the to, to piggyback on on Cherry? <laughs> yeah, we all have these dreams, but sometimes it doesn't work. So, but I'm, what I'm about a positive that? person. So let's just my glasses. My glass is half empty. <laughs> and, and so when, you, when we wrap up, we have about a minute. Um, just sort of like the reason to to take the leap. The reason to take the leap is exactly what you said. Life is short, and nothing is promised, right? And it's ambiguous whether or not we would actually accomplish our goals. So just because it's unknown doesn't mean that it won't happen. It's just that you don't know. But the excitement is the journey, because if you go on the journey, you will discover something new, no matter what it is. And by that, making that change, you will land someplace that feels more satisfying than you've been. If only to say, you know what, my real priority is to to make make a life for my kids right now so I'm going to do that yeah. now and I'm going to put it off later whatever it is it's about what you truly want in yep. this moment we've been talking to Pamela Mitchell CEO of the Reinvention Institute and author of the Audible original Pivot and Pursue It Pamela thank you so much for being with us thank you Matt and Cherry it's been fantastic and coming up ice cream Welcome back to Studio 2. I am Cherry Gregg. And I'm Matt Gillum in for Avi. The snow drought is over. It's right around freezing outside, mm -hmm. probably a little below. <laughs> and it's the middle of January. So, in other words, it is the perfect time to cool off and indulge with some ice cream. Oh, yes. Just because the treat is cold <laughs> doesn't mean the flavors can't be cozy. How does cinnamon toasted oat, ginger mint, or a butterscotch brindle sandwich sound cherry? Try saying that three times fast. Delicious. Too. Those are the kind of treats coming out of Weckerly's Ice Cream, the beloved micro creamery based in Frankfurt. They've been serving up unique flavors for over a decade. The Fishtown Brick and Mortar has just reopened to the delight of neighbors, so we asked co-founders Founders Jen Satinsky and Andy Satinsky to join us to talk about what makes a good ice cream, their creativity and the history behind their cherished scoops. Jen Satinsky, great to have you here. Thanks Andy, for having us. 
Yes, Andy, great to have you here oh, in studio, you. too, as well. Well, we're, we're very happy to have you. And I think I want to begin just by saying that reinvention has been one of our themes today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen, you started off as a pastry chef, and that is that has been your sort of passion throughout. But, Andy, you found your way to ice cream by way of bike shops. Oh, uh, kind of. I, by way of marrying Jen, I think, is how I found my way <laughs> That is how you found your cream. way to dessert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. walk us through a little bit. Give us the, the, the condensed history of, of uh, Weckerly's and how you ended up being the... the king and queen of the ice cream sandwich. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I started as a pastry chef, and I think that ice cream was always my favorite medium in uh, mm. in desserts. And I love that you work in ice cream. Mm-hmm, I work in ice cream. And I, I found that coming from a fine dining background, uh, the sandwiches were kind of my favorite because it was a full dessert. So, like, there's an ice cream flavor, there's mix-ins in it, and then it's on a cookie, so it's, like, it mm. speaks to my pastry chef mind, basically. <laughs> I love it. And so what is your like take on flavors? Because there's some very, when you think about ice cream sandwiches, usually it's like chocolate chip cookie and some vanilla ice cream. Maybe Neapolitan some chips is on really mixing very it up. Plain, very plain. Mm-hmm. But you guys go all in and it's very unusual yet delicious. Um, how? What is your philosophy on these flavors when yeah. you come up with these sandwiches? Well, I mean, I usually start with one ingredient and build it from there. So, like when we're doing a strawberry ice cream, I'll decide. You know, I'll try to think what works well with strawberry and just like expand from there. So I, I start with one flavor and just build on it. Um, and I think it's just me trying to be extra, I guess, <laughs> just like. <laughs> and you have like literally hundreds of flavors at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's your? Do you have a favorite or a favorite combo of flavors? I mean, my favorite ice cream usually is strawberry. Um, mm, that's why you mentioned that. it's so good. But my favorite to do um, through like the history of Weckerly's was honeysuckle. That was like a dream of mine to. So we foraged the honeysuckle flowers and steeped it in the in the mix, which is um, so we did it ourselves, like foraging. So it's a, a true labor of love <laughs> because it took hours to pick all the all the honeysuckle. Sorry, that sounds delicious. <laughs> but mm-hmm. uh, I mean, how much R and D does go into creating one of these sandwiches? I mean, I'm guessing hundreds of hours in the kitchen, lots and lots of tasting. You have dedicated tasters somewhere. Uh, how does one get that job? Yeah, I mean, we all taste. I mean, everyone's uh, everyone always asks me like, I don't know how you do it. I would eat ice cream all the time, and the truth is. I do eat ice cream all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to. You have to make sure it tastes good. Um, and yeah, I mean the 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 R and D is a lot of um, making sure that the cookies freeze right, that they're going to stay soft when they're frozen, um, and just making sure the flavors work together. And some of that is just you know testing recipes, and some of it is just from uh, an experience. We have a baker that's very experienced, so she's you know, in t- uh, really helpful in the process. And just our staff is like, it's a collaborative effort at this point. So, yeah. And um, Andy, do you have anything to add here? Do you have many cookies have you eaten? Uh, enough. Um, <laughs> uh, enough that, I mean, it would be a sad life if I never ate a cookie again, but I'd say I've, I've had my share. Um, I think particularly in the first like five years or so of the business when we would just kind of like, particularly in ice cream season, uh, when we'd just be working around the clock, there was a lot of time that like cookie scraps and uh, ice cream kind of replaced meals because uh, <laughs> we just didn't have time to like get away to prepare a meal. And uh, that's it. You get pretty sick of it uh, when that becomes your lifestyle. But uh, I'm happy to say I'm back to enjoying ice cream and cookies. 
And one person who is not sick of it is is Dan, (laughs) who sent an email who says, "Okay, the ice cream is so good. But can you talk about the cookies? Isn't there a sandwich with graham crackers? Can you talk to Dan about this graham cracker sandwich? Is there one? I don't know. The honey cookies. So, yeah, we we have like a a soft honey um, and brown sugar cookie that kind of is like a stand in for graham cracker. Uh, Back in the day in like 2014, 2015, we still made a handful of sandwiches with like a crunchy graham cracker that we'd make in house. And uh, it just as we grew and needed to make more that that method didn't really scale with us. So we switched over to a uh, soft cookie as kind of a stand-in for the graham cracker, which actually I think it's, it's a really good it's cookie. really I mean it's my favorite personally, <laughs> um, but you can still enjoy like our crunchy graham cracker recipe and, as an as a mix-in in some of our uh, scooped flavors and in a few of the ice cream sandwiches it's like there's a crunchy graham cracker layer. In the or it's swirled into yeah. one of the ice creams. And and I was, I mean, our producers are saying, sample, samples. We were just getting there. Yes. <laughs> yes, you've, you've whetted we, our appetite I've been with these beautiful descriptions. I've been looking at these samples yeah. sitting in front of us. And um, first of all, they perk. look really um, attractive and beautiful and all that stuff. Um, please tell us what you brought. Yeah, so we brought um, the Valentine's Day minis, which are chocolate-covered mini ice cream sandwiches. Um the white chocolate one is Tahitian vanilla with a passion fruit curd on a black sesame cake. And then the milk chocolate one is chocolate ice cream with a hazelnut butter on a hazelnut blondie with milk chocolate with hazelnuts in it. So it's like a Rocher kind of hazelnut, inspiration. Hazelnut, yeah. hazelnut. Hazelnuts, wow. yeah. And then the, the dark chocolate one is a dark, is chocolate ice cream with Luxardo cherry jam on a brownie with dark chocolate. Oh, ooh, I want that one. I, I love I love Luxardo cherries. And which yeah. one is this one? With the- so that's the full-size sandwich that we just cut up for you. So that's the butterscotch brindle ice cream sandwich. So it's cookies. Should we start with that one, maybe? Yeah, let's start with that yeah, one. Yeah, it's cookies we'll and cream. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally. It's cookies and cream ice cream on a butterscotch brindle cookie. Okay. So it's like brown butter, bu- uh, brown sugar. Eating on the radio. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're getting, getting our ice cream sandwiches here. <laughs> You, you guys, come cheers. on, go more good. Oh yeah, I, I, cheers. I, 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 <laughs> cheers. Boom. Yes. Okay. This is good. This is delicious. Mm. Luckily, I do not have sensitive teeth, so I can like really chomp on ice cubes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, the textures though, the cookie, like the a, cookie is soft. It's got like the the cinnamony coating mm-hmm. on the outside. This is fantastic, and it has like a saltiness with the sweetness. And I'm a yeah. sweet, salty girl. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, tell me again. You said cookies and cream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can taste a little bit of the chocolate, but yeah. it tastes very buttery at the same time. This but is I'm, delicious. I'm I'm seeing how, despite this being uh, the ice cream being on display, it truly is the cookie that is a shining masterpiece on this ice cream sandwich compared to <laughs> compared to ones that I've had in the past, mm-hmm. which are bought at the supermarket and in that big freezer. So, right. and how do you delicious keep, stuff? Yeah, because one of the things, and I do like a uh, ice cream sandwich. One of the things that is problematic is sometimes the cookies are too hard. You could pop, you could break a tooth, man. You know, and this is <laughs> this is a very like soft cookie. Mm-hmm. Yet it's still very firm. It didn't come off on my fingers when, because you know, like it's a lot of times you mm-hmm. open mm-hmm. and it's like the cookie the stuck cookie to your skin. fingers. Stuck. How yeah. do you, I, I don't know if it's a secret. 
I mean, it's but just, yeah. how do you do this? This That's is a great combination. Secret, I it's guess. a little bit of a trade <laughs> secret, yeah. But I mean, that was went into the, all the like research and development. And so, you know, we've done cake and stuff like that. And cake is so sticky. And I think that the the ice cream sandwiches that you get in the grocery store, like the, the classic, you know, mm-hmm. vanilla on chocolate, that's more of like a cake. And I think that's mm. why it sticks to your hands and that this is a cookie. It's just, just well, the with, way. Yeah. Without giving away the secret, how do you get it to freeze but remain so soft and, and, and comfortable in your mouth? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that I mean, that's not su- super secret. It's like how long you bake it. You mm. know, it's a little. And moisture. Yeah, and moisture. And it's, it's not, yeah. it's not yeah. like ice crystals yeah. or anything in there. It's right. perfectly done. Yeah, and I know that there's a new owner. By the way, we yes. got a, we only got a minute left. We got a new owner coming in. But you guys, what's in the future for for you? Yeah, you guys yes. are sticking around for a little bit. But yeah, is, yeah. is a new we're, new venture coming up or what? Uh, no, no, uh, no. We're um, maybe new adventures, but no yeah. new business ventures okay. for us. Uh, hopefully, we can like we'll we're we are lifelong Philadelphians, so we'll still be here, um, and I'm sure we'll both still find ourselves working in the. Uh, food and small business space um but uh yeah not yeah. starting any new companies our next plan is to travel together yeah. and take a little time off yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. are you going to be reinventing yourselves no Major? oh uh, i mean yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> just a little yeah. yes um well this is wonderful um and i understand you can get these ice cream sandwiches all sorts of places now um, in stores, right? Yeah, um, all throughout the uh, Philadelphia and suburban area. And uh, with the new ownership, that'll be hopefully expanding a little bit to some new spots as well. Awesome. Well, Jen Satinsky and Andy Satinsky are the co-founders of Weckerly's Ice Cream. Jen and Andy, thank you for coming in. Oh, and the so samples, so amazing. That's going to do it for our show today. Be Yay. sure to follow WHYY on all social platforms and download the show wherever you get your podcasts. I love today. I still have that day. wonderful taste in my mouth. It's so good. Our producers are Debbie Builder, Paige, Murray Bester, and Andreas Copes. Al Banks engineered today's program from Studio 2 at WHYY in Philadelphia. I'm Cherry Gregg. And I'm Matt Gillum. Very glad to be uh, sitting in with you again, Cherry. We've had a wonderful day. Ice cream sandwiches on the cold. It couldn't be better. I know. And Avi will be back with us tomorrow. So thanks for being with us, Matt. And thank you for tuning in to Studio 2 here on WHYY.